The two main types of coffee beans are Robusta and Arabica. And for decades, one bean has dominated the other. You don't need to know how to pronounce Arabica beans. You just need to know how to drink them. That's coffee made with 100% Arabica beans. McCafe believes in using 100% fine Arabica beans. What we do is use freshly ground Arabica beans and organic milk. You'll see a lot of big coffee companies, uh, one of the ways that they communicate that they're serious about coffee is they say 100% Arabica. And, and it's lots of them. So it's just this sort of byword for communicating good coffee is 100% Arabica. Our colleague John Iman says Robusta, meanwhile, has a reputation for being cheap and not very good. Robusta, it was treated as inferior. Starbucks on its website says its harsher taste is often compared to burnt rubber. Robusta, in the way it's traditionally been grown and produced, is very, very bitter. It tastes a bit like drinking... It tastes a bit like what I imagine fuel tastes like. It's, it's intense. It's very intense. Burnt rubber. Fuel. It sounds kind of gross. But recently, there's been a new movement of people who say Robusta has just been given a bad rap. They say that not only can Robusta be good, but that it can also grow better in an era of climate change. A lot of the young coffee geeks and the the folks who are founding cafes today who say, actually, we think Robusta can be good. One reason that animates a lot of young coffee geeks is global warming. And so for some, it's actually a rebellion. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Friday, March 24th. Coming up on the show, the Robusta Rebellion that's brewing in the coffee industry. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Are you a big coffee drinker? I am. Uh, I think almost everybody is. I'm not as snobby as some people. I wouldn't call myself a real expert or anything. But reporting this piece, I spoke to a lot of real coffee geeks, and I learned that I wasn't one just through listening to them. One of the things John learned from all these conversations is that Arabica didn't always dominate Robusta. Its rise in the U.S. started a few decades ago. It starts with this movement in the United States on the West Coast in the 1970s or around then, where coffee geeks decided to try to introduce good coffee to Americans, who at this point were mainly drinking instant coffee and thought of coffee as something that would you know, wake them up in the morning, but not as something to luxuriate over or to enjoy. Companies like Pete's and Starbucks looked to cafes in Europe to see how they could create a high-quality experience for their customers, a coffee culture. And it worked. 
Coffee shops in the U.S. became a place where you could meet with friends, work on homework, write your screenplay, all over a good cup of coffee. And the beans that companies like Starbucks used were Arabicas. And what that ended up doing was it just created this idea idea that Arabica was better than Robusta, which, true or not, sort of created this cycle where Arabica farmers, especially in recent years, could actually sell their coffee for more money if they actually invested in it, because there was this market for specialty coffees. Whereas with Robusta, it became this sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. Because it was treated as inferior, any Robusta farmer who invested in quality and in processing would would not get that money back. No one was going to pay more for Robusta. So it just stayed where it was, essentially. Arabica won. And Robusta was relegated to the world of instant coffees, or as something that roasters mixed into a bag of Arabica beans in order to make it cheaper. But Arabica always had one weakness. It's more difficult to grow. It is much more delicate than Robusta. It's much less pest resistant. It does not do as well in the heat, whereas Robusta tended to do better in like the intense heat. And as the climate changes, growing Arabica is becoming more expensive. Arabica is really vulnerable to climate change. So in Brazil, for example, there's been a lot of weird weather that has really devastated the Arabica crop and sent Arabica prices up quite a bit in recent years, like sudden frosts and things like that. So that's one thing that some people will think, well, let's embrace Robusta. Robusta thrives in hotter weather, and that's becoming a big advantage. There's... They're thinking, and then, you know, some science to back it up, that Robusta really would do better in a world where climate's much less predictable and the world is warmer. And so we have to find coffee that's suited to the new ecology of the world, and uh, we have to find a way to make it good. Even though Robusta grows better in warmer climates, no one will drink it if it doesn't taste good. So that's why this is so revolutionary, is is people saying, wait, but does it have to be like this? Does it have to taste like this? And when you say does it have to, is the idea that like if you grow the beans differently or more delicately or you process them in a slightly different way, that you can actually make Robusta taste better? Yes, that's right. That's absolutely the idea. And there's no question that that's true. Uh, I mean, there might be debate about how, how far you can go, but there's no question that you can make it better. One man who's been trying to make Robusta better is a farmer in India named Nishant Gurjur. I'm Nishant Gurjur, so I'm the managing partner of Kapi Royal and Seturaman Estate. And uh, I'm a sixth-generation uh, coffee grower. Nishant's farm has been in his family for more than two centuries. And when he took over the farm in the 1990s, he made a risky decision. He ripped out his Arabica crops and replaced them with Robusta. When you made this pivot from Arabica beans to Robusta beans back in the 90s. Did anybody tell you that you were crazy at the time? A lot of people. I mean, uh, everyone thought that I had gone cuckoo. You know, there was this young kid out of college and, you know, he, he's ripping apart his family business and he's growing Robusta and, you know, what's wrong with him and how's he going to sell it? Uh, how, uh, you know, it's crap coffee and all sorts of things, you know. Arabica doesn't grow so well in humid areas, like where Nishant's farm is. Why did you think Robusta might be better? I said that, okay, fine, we can be average Arabica producers, which we were. Or we can really up the ante and go totally different and go 
uh, towards growing high-end speciality robustas. I know it was swimming against the tide and people in, in 95, 96 didn't even know what robusta was. Forget about speciality robusta. Robusta was not even something which people would want to talk about. I mean, it's like, I just potentially thought that, you know, it's easier for me to go with a product which people don't know or are not aware. But the reputation of Robusta beans, and the reason that Arabica beans are so much more popular, is that Robusta doesn't taste good. People will just grow up on this fallacy that uh, Arabica is special and Robusta is bad. Yes, you do have very special Arabicas. I'm not trying to put down Arabica coffee. Arabicas do have some very unique characteristics and flavors. The, what, what I don't like is people talking about the fact saying that Arabica is good coffee, but Robusta is bad. Why can't people accept the fact that Robusta is good, Arabica is good? Taste it, give it a fair chance. If you like it, excellent. You don't like it, you don't like it. I mean, that's fine. After the break, I give Robusta a try. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Natrol. Natrol is America's number one drug-free sleep aid brand, helping you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. Natrol melatonin gummies are made with clean ingredients, like 99% pure melatonin, to work with your sleep cycle, helping you sleep better, making the next day your best day. Natrol. Sleep tonight, live tomorrow. Shop now at natrol.com. This product helps with occasional sleeplessness. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent diseases. After all this talk of Robusta coffee, I decided to try and hunt down a cup for myself. All right, going into my local coffee shop here. Let's see if we've got any Robusta. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, good, how are you? Good. Do you have any um, coffee made from Robusta beans? Oh, uh, we don't. Yeah, no. I think they're all Arabica. Yeah. Arabica. I'm with the Wall Street Journal on the podcast. Robusta is still pretty hard to find. In fact, none of the handful of coffee shops I went to served it. And when I asked baristas about it, it didn't really seem like they liked it. Would you guys mind sharing your opinion as uh, coffee aficionados uh, about ro- about robusta beans? Robusto? Yeah. Um, I think it's because they're cheaper. Uh-huh. Definitely a cheaper bean. Yeah. I feel like the flavor profile on them when you roast them too after is just not the same quality as like Arabica. Yeah, and there's something about it. It's like darker and more bitter. I'm not really into it. It is more bitter, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. What, what did you think of it when you tried it? Me? I don't like coffee. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like coffee and you work in a coffee shop? We have a lot of tea here, too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, I found a bag of Robusta beans at a grocery store. It was made by Nguyen Coffee Supply, a coffee roaster in Brooklyn that makes high-end Robusta. Hmm. The beans, like, look almost a little bit different. They look sort of rounder and a little bit lighter color. I brewed a cup with my trusty French press. Definitely has a much um, 
earthier smell to it, that's for sure. Hmm. I mean, it's definitely not bad. Robusta coffee is different from the coffee I'm used to. It's darker, richer, earthier. It's less acidic and more bitter. But this new type of Robusta definitely doesn't taste like fuel, the way John described. A lot of the young coffee geeks and the folks who are founding cafes today who say, actually, we think Robusta can be good, they're trying to break that cycle. And what they're trying to do is they're saying, if we can create this specialty market for Robusta, if we can show Robusta farmers that if they invest in their crop, we'll pay more for it because it's good, because it's better, then we'll actually be able to remove the stigma from Robusta because we'll prove to the world that there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a matter of how it was grown. For farmers that are struggling to grow Arabica, John says they're embracing this new demand for Robusta. It's growing really fast, and that's in part because in a couple different countries, namely Brazil, a lot of farmers are switching to Robusta because they realize that it grows better in their region. Nguyen Coffee Supply, the company that made the beans I tried earlier, is one of the companies pushing hard to change Robusta's image. The company even started a pledge with more than 150 signatures to change the narrative around Robusta. For farmers, it is kind of an exciting time. Even if there is a stigma against it, it's worth a try. For some, that means switching crops from Arabica to Robusta. But for others, it means just investing more in their Robusta because there's now a market for it. And for mainstream coffee companies, John says Robusta could be in their future too. For instance, Pete's Coffee says it's starting to look into Robustas, and it might start serving them one day. How real do you think this move toward Robusta is? Or is it just like a marketing ploy by, by big coffee? <laughs> or Robusta growers, you know, who are trying to create a movement? Yeah, um, you know... I think, obviously, the people who I quoted in the story, that I think they're all very genuine. So, so I think they do think Robusta has been dealt a bad hand and, and deserves to, to be given another shot. If you're cynical, you would say, well, this movement is great for coffee companies because it's actually just an opportunity for them to you know, cut costs. And, you know, with Pete's, I don't think that this is really uh, a cynical move on their part to say that we're exploring Robusta. I, I expect, actually, that they were struck by this idea that Robusta was just automatically relegated to lesser coffee. And they thought, well, wait, let's re-examine this. Let's see if Robusta can be good. And there are all sorts of reasons why it might be good for the planet. So let's give this a real look. So I, I don't really think this is a ploy by big coffee. But I do think big coffee could potentially serve to benefit uh, from it in the end. Nishanth, the Robusta grower in India, says in the future, he doesn't want people to even think about what kind of beans their coffee's made out of. Don't judge coffee based on Arabic or Robusta. Just let your senses and your taste buds take over. At least be open to the idea of tasting coffees, tasting different experiences. I'm happy if you are happy because you that is your, your moment, your space. When you have that cup of coffee, if it takes you back to a very happy memory space, I'm happy for that. And that's what I want to contribute. That happiness should last with you for a long time. I'm really, uh, I'm really craving a cup of coffee after this conversation. <laughs> Enjoy it, my friend. That's all for today, Friday, March 24th. 
The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are Kate Leinbaugh and me, Ryan Knudsen. The show's produced by Annie Baxter, Ariana Bowe, Catherine Brewer, Maria Byrne, Pia Gadkari, Rachel Humphreys, Matt Kwong, Annie Minoff, Laura Morris, Afif Nasui, Enrique Perez de la Rosa, Sarah Platt, Alan Rodriguez Espinosa, Pierce Singy, Jivika Verma, Lisa Wang, and Catherine Whalen, with help from Jonathan Sanders. Our engineers are Griffin Tanner, Nathan Singapak, and Peter Leonard. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Katherine Anderson, Peter Leonard, Billy Libby, Bobby Lord, Emma Munger, Nathan Singapak, Griffin Tanner, So Wiley, and Blue Dot Sessions. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.